Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio, a full show. First, we'll have Anthony from Soda and Telepaths on, talking about the End of the World anthology and how you can back that project on Kickstarter. Then we've got a whole host of guests celebrating the career of George Perez. In studio, we have Larry Quiggins of Bugs Comics, Rick Burchett of the DC Comics World, and of course, Ron Mars will join us later. All that and more. Stand by. Comics and movies and video games. Driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the Big 550 KTRS. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you are streaming us out there in the world, thank you very much for finding us. And, of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, wherever you might get your podcast from, whatever platform it might be, thank you very much for finding us there. Hopefully you have subscribed. And if you could take a moment to leave us a lovely five-star rating, we greatly appreciate that. A full show with a lot happening. We're going to get right to it. My first guest is Anthony from Soda and Telepaths. They are running a Kickstarter for an End of the World Anthology, 160-page full-color anthology, and we're going to talk about that. They're halfway there, and I'm bringing them in now. Anthony, how are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Good. Doing well. Thanks so much for the time today. Um, Kickstarters, I love having people on who are doing Kickstarters because you can never get enough support behind these things. It's all these great artists and writers working on brilliant things that aren't mainstream and bringing that to uh, the the larger audience. There's a lot of people who are hungry for something that isn't of the big two right now. So talk a little bit about, tell us about End of the World. So Producing the End of the World is a 160-page anthology which concentrates on the humanism in end-of-the-world scenarios. It's 18 stories, 12 writers, uh, sorry, 12 artists, 18 writers, and uh, we're pretty confident that there's going to be an end-of-the-world story in here for everyone. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when you think of the end of the world, I mean, we just had 2012 wasn't that long ago. And I think of the Mayan calendar, things like that. But there's always uh, some of the best Twilight Zone episodes were these post-apocalyptic scenarios that went on. So I think it's kind of fascinating when someone says post-apocalyptic, how that resonates in certain people's minds. And then in the fact that you've got this anthology, we're going to see several different people's creative takes on it, all brought into full color life. Talk a little bit about... Um, just from your standpoint alone, we'll talk to you for a moment. What is your scariest end of the world scenario? Uh, scariest end of the world scenario would be uh, a solar storm because it would knock out all of the uh, electrical devices. It'd be like a giant sort of EMP bomb went off and then all of a sudden we had no internet we'd have no communication that would probably be the scariest for me i feel like i've got zombies pretty down pat because um (laughs) 
if there's a zombie outbreak in Australia, I'll just head to the centre of Australia and I'll be fine because I doubt they can walk that far. That's true. That's a good point, especially as long as they're those slow ones and not the uh, not the fast removing runs in that latest uh, Zack Snyder when he did uh, Dawn of the Dead. That was kind of freaky seeing them run that quickly. Yep, yep, 100%. And with this project, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, there's the story Champagne Shelter. Uh, Scavenger comes across a man and woman who seem to not have noticed the world blip around them. From Abby Denton and Paul Gorey, Dark Storm, a world that has been destroyed by never-ending storm. Two women search for a solution, but are they just chasing false hope? From Adam Burt, Richard Kemp, when you were designing this particular anthology, um, what was kind of like uh, the cutoff? Because obviously you don't want to make it too big because there's obviously many people who could have contributed to it. How did you form which stories would go in and uh, things like that so believe it or not we got a lot of uh similar stories that were pitched to us we we got a lot of robot stories so many robot stories in fact that um it made it really easy to cut out the sort the weaker players so (laughs) that was basically it we looked at we sort of grouped it into different uh categories so we had like your robot stories we had some satirical stories we had uh zombie stories even though i said to everyone not to send in zombie stories but hey people like to not listen um (laughs) and we had uh we we had uh adventure stories we had um stories where it, it happened in space and the you know observing the world sort of uh imploding but um it was just a matter of sort of grouping them into categories, finding out which uh, categories we were most interested in, and then just going through them pretty, uh, uh, I guess, systematically and removing those that weren't as strong as some of the as as the people that ended up getting into the anthology. So I guess that was the biggest thing is hunting out different stories that were kind of not as alike as other ones. Did it? Did a robot one make it into the anthology though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a killer robot. And again, I, I always think of the Twilight Zone because I can't d- remember how many times that uh, they destroyed the world in that. Either the, it was blown up by nuclear war in The Last Paul Bearer, or uh, I think most of it was nuclear yep. war now that I'm thinking about it, like uh, Time Enough at Last with Burgess Meredith. But there's always those end-of-the-world scenarios, and I think that... Um, that might be one of the reasons these stories resonate with people because people always expect the worst to happen. And I think they kind yeah. of, it's almost comforting to see it play out away from where we are and in, in another world or something like that. And some of these, uh, these futures and things like that. So it's, it's always very fascinating to see this taking on this particular Kickstarter. Did it present any new or different challenges for you than you've experienced in the past? Uh, so previously, Project Mange for Kickstarters, which all funded the biggest uh, challenge we had was the budget. It's quite a big budget. It's um, uh, just sits below 40,000 Australian. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, uh, I think that's about 27, 28 grand US. So um, that was the biggest challenge we had just um, or, or having. So just trying to uh, do as much as we can on the marketing front to engage people. And it is, uh, I noticed uh, Kickstarter website did give you a Project We Love badge. So that's one of the ones that that's high marks from Kickstarter itself to be kind of chosen on that merit as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, that did nothing for us. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad to hear. It's oh a nice gosh. little sticker, but um, yeah, it didn't do anything that affected, you know, uh, how 
getting extra people. I haven't had anyone say to me, oh yeah, I saw it's a project we love. Um, and and uh, yeah, I decided to back it because of that. It's, yeah, it's really what we've got so far is from our own blood, sweat and tears. And you are halfway there. I mean, there's still six days to go. So it's not that this, this couldn't be fulfilled. Obviously you're over halfway there. And that's, you know, if you were sitting way low, then I would think that might be kind of daunting for you. But this is something obviously that is still easily doable. You've already got over 300 backers uh, half the way there. And people, this would be a great time to, if someone like likes independent stuff, you you could yeah. donate to the Kickstarter and then give this to a person for Christmas and give them a little card and say, hey, when this is done, here's your Christmas gift. And they can expect it in the mail. So if you're looking for a holiday gift for somebody, this would be a great thing to do. Back this, give it to somebody as a gift. That's a, a brilliant thing to do for Christmas. Mm, yeah. Hundred percent. And if you're one of those people out there that thought, as far as COVID goes, it's been a very boring end of the world scenario, <laughs> then back this. There's a lot more interesting stories to right. tell. <laughs> so no pandemic stories, folks. This will all be much, uh, much more action packed than 2020 was for most of us. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. With the with the artists and the writers, are there people in this who you've worked with in the past, or is it mostly new talent that you've kind of got for this one? Uh, no, completely new talent. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, there are some people that are known within the indie scene of having done a few anthologies that have, uh, that have been, uh, have taken a part of this anthology, but yeah, completely new. And just out of curiosity, if, you know, this somehow doesn't make it all the way through in the next six days, is there a plan to relaunch it? Is it going to kind of be a different imagining of it? How, what, uh, you know, worst case scenario, what would this look like if you don't make the full, I think it's 28,000, what was it, seven, yeah. 28,432. If you don't hit that goal, yeah. how does end of the world move forward next? Uh, so I'm looking at the positives. So, the, you, you know, I could look at the negatives, but I'm looking at the positives. The positives is we've gotten 325 new people that we can market to mm -hmm. uh, if we decide to repackage it. Um, my plan to repackage it is to repackage it as three to four uh, just uh, floppy comics okay. where where people might not get all of the stories at once, but they'll, they'll get them all in some, uh, uh, in some package or another. So that's, that's the plan. And uh, it's proven that we can get enough to see, to see that happen. So uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, the plan. And once this Kickstarter is fully funded and backed, how long, just if someone's, if someone's listening and thinking, well, when I, if I back this, how long is it going to yep. take for me to get this? Do you guys have a timeline planned out? Do you think it'll uh, be like within a certain time frame in order from people from the time they pledge to the time they yep. get the books? What's uh, what's the time frame yep. someone might be looking at? So the timeline is May, okay. and that's worst case scenario. Uh, we only need to letter the the book, and that's it. We just need to letter it. Uh, all the art is complete. All the writing's complete. Um, uh, it just needs to be lettered and sent off to printing. So, yeah, that's that's all that needs to happen. And if you're listening right now, there's a lot of different ways you can back this. Just go to kickstarter.com and look for End of the World, or you can search Soda and Telepaths. Um, you can just throw in the $10 back it because you believe in the project. That's always a great thing to do. Uh, there's the tip jar. There's always different 
layers to Kickstarter. So there might be different things you can come in at if you want to hit a certain goal uh, that get the end physical scripts and everything like that, uh, all the way to the director's cut. All sorts of different levels you can donate at, depending on what you feel comfortable with. So if you're wanting to back independent artists and writers and help them out, this is a great project. The art on this, if you even if you just get a chance to go to the Kickstarter page and look at the art, it's stunning art. Uh, a lot of really cool things. All the different post-apocalyptic scenes you'll see here from some of the art that's up. And uh, do you have uh, do you have a favorite backing tier that you've, you when you created this? Do you have a favorite backing tier that you've got up there so far, Anthony? Um, so one of the things we did is I'm someone that really misses uh, David A's and David A commentary. Um, I really miss that, and it's I think that's the 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 number one thing that a lot of people have lost when it comes to streaming TV. So what we did is uh, the person uh, each person that uh, supports at the director's cut tier level gets a uh, one uh, one podcast episode per each uh story oh cool where i sit down with the the writer and the artist and it's it's just going to be very unedited uncut and we're you know we're going to talk about obviously the process but also you know if we if we got annoyed with each other then then that'll (laughs) be in there but um (laughs) it's uh that is the one i think where you get the most value they might hear a little infighting. That's kind of fun to hear those. But no, I, I, I completely know what you're talking about because that's one of the reasons when I went out and started getting DVDs and Blu-rays, I'd always look at the back. Yep, there's director's commentary. Yep, there's behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go ahead and buy this one because it's very important when you're buying, you're, you're spending your hard-earned money, you want to get physical media that's going to be something that you're going to get some use out of and really dig into and enjoy. So that is a very cool perk. Um, and again, if you're listening kickstarter.com just search soda and telepaths or end of the world anthology and that should come right up you'll see the according to anthony very useless sticker that tells him it's a project that kickstarter loves um and it's already halfway there so we need to do a little more than halfway to get it to that final goal in the next six days this is a great one to back in my opinion um anthony tell people where they can find you soda and telepath tell them about uh kind of what you guys do and where they can catch up with you on social media uh, at Soda Telepass, uh, plural, um, and pretty much everything's uh, all the links are there uh, to the Kickstarter, and uh, yeah, you can easily find uh, my personal profile on there as well. And of course, at the uh, the anthology on Twitter at Producing the End, uh, you can make sure to follow yes. them there and across yes. social media. And like I said, this is a great project to back. Uh, Joining us all the way from Australia, Anthony, I appreciate your time tonight so much. Thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks, mate. Take care. Be well. There he goes. Uh, Yeah, that's a great project to back. So make sure, again, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you're listening to this right now in the podcast form, scroll down the page. You'll see in the show notes a link to uh, the Soda and Telepath social media as well as the End of the World Kickstarter. We hope we get them to their final goal before the end of the next six days. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back and talk little Spider-Man, spoiler-free, and we'll also celebrate the career of George Perez with my in-studio guests and people who are on the phone. Coming to you right after this. Please stand by. Hi, this is Brent Spiner. You're listening to geek to me Radio. We're back. geek to me Radio live on the Big 550. Thanks once again to Anthony from Soda and Telepaths. Make sure you check out the Kickstarter to help him hit his goal on that. 
Uh, obviously, big news on the movie front. I think this is our first big, massive hit post-pandemic. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home did a little over 250 $250 million at the domestic box office, which is huge. Um, and in studio to talk about it right now, we have Larry Quiggins, owner of Bugs Comics, multi-Eisner award-winning artist Rick Burchett also. Rick has not seen uh, Spider-Man, but he says he already knows pretty much everything that happens anyway because he's an insider. <laughs> yeah, that's me, the, the insider. So uh, just real quick, just to uh, talk about it, I think for me, this is one of the first movies that I've ever given a 10 out of 10 to in my movie reviews. I haven't even written it because I'm trying to keep away from spoilers for people, but uh, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. I think, in my opinion, it is the perfect comic book movie. Uh, gentlemen, agree, disagree? I can agree. I I still need to see it a second time so I can put my final stamp i know whether if i would say 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 mm-hmm. uh but as a spider-man huge spider-man fan as anybody who would know me knows i i was so emotional at the end of it there's so much to absorb so much good stuff i mean we could spend hours talking about yeah. this movie it's so good if you haven't seen it go out to see it yeah, and I think there's enough there for people who are very familiar with the Raimi trilogy and the Mark Webb uh, two movies that Andrew Garfield did, and it's enough to satisfy people who haven't seen those. But if you have seen them and invested the time to see all, what is this now, eight Spider-Man movies, this is uh, definitely six Spider-Man movies. Anyway, it's, it's definitely worth a— it's the eighth. Uh, is it? Okay. So, yeah, three Toby. Three Toby, two Garfield, two Garfield. Three Holland. And if you count Civil War with him showing well, up as well, yeah. so yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, definitely worth it. Do you? You're. I. I don't know. If we've talked about a lot of other things. I know you're a Captain America guy. Yeah. Are you a big Spider-Man guy? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did the first issue of Spider-Man. I bought off the spinner rack in my little town drugstore was issue number three. Oh my gosh. Yes. You still have it? Yes. Uh, after we get yes. up there, I'll ask where your address is for no particular <laughs> reason at all. Um, that's amazing. My um, first no one was four. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Mine was two forty four, so I was a little, a little later. Oh, these kids! Man. <laughs> these kids. But yeah, I mean, I, you said you haven't seen it, but you heard a lot about it. Right? Yeah. So, based on what you hear, you think it's uh, you know it's going to live up to the hype I, for you. I mean, it's it, to have everything in it that it purported to have in it. If they pulled it off, yeah, you know, if I, that's a lot, uh, that's like putting a bowling ball in a nylon stocking, you yes. know. And yeah. and if they made it work. And the only thing going through my mind is, this is the guy that's going to direct the Fantastic Four. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that, and that makes me very, very happy. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I got to say, and I've said this, uh, Max on Movies will join us later for those of you who are uh, 550 fans. You've heard Max on Movie right here on the big 550 KTRS. Um, I was not a fan of MCU Spider-Man. I love Tom Holland. I think he's a great Peter Parker, but I didn't like him always being in the shadow of Iron Man. He almost felt like Iron Boy more than Spider-Man. But this is the first film that really he steps out on his own. It felt like a Spider-Man movie again, yes. which yes. I I really enjoyed that too. I yeah. can understand that. I mean, the, the whole concept with Peter being under Tony Stark is kind of from the Ultimate Comics. Mm-hmm. you know. So they kind of stepped away from the regular Marvel Universe with that concept. So... You are right that this one, there's very little spoken of Tony, actually. Whereas the last one, you know, was all about grieving Tony and trying to be the next Tony, I guess you could say. But, uh, yeah, I agree. This was a Spider-Man movie. 
Yeah. And like we said, it gives closure to all the Spider-Man movies. Right. Not yeah. just the recent three, but all of them. Do you have plans to see it like soon, or are you going to yeah. wait a while longer? Yeah, I do. Uh, my my younger son saw it today, and and when I get home, I'm sure he's got lots of questions. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But yeah, as soon as we can. Very cool. Yeah, and again, if you're listening right now, uh, we're going to try to do as few commercials as possible, but I want to make sure if you're listening right now, go see the movie in a Marcus Theaters. Marcus Theaters, obviously one of the show sponsors here on geek to me Radio, the official movie sponsor. Uh, go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com. You can find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the movie tavern closest to you, so you can buy your tickets right there online. You can also check out movie reviews. You can see if there's something else playing, like maybe... You know, you've already seen Spider-Man, or you want to wait till family comes in town so you can see it over Christmas. There are a lot of other movies playing right now. West Side Story is out there. Um, Nightmare Alley is absolutely brilliant if you get a chance to see that one. Uh, so there's lots of good stuff out there, and there's no better gift to give during the holidays than the gift of movies, too. So if you get a Marcus Theaters gift card, I think they give you 15% back on purchases of gift cards, $50 or more. And make sure while you're on the website, you join... join Try that again. I like to buy a vowel. Join the Magical Movie Rewards Program, which allows you to get points back for seeing movies and buying concessions. That way, when you buy your snow caps and your popcorn, you can use those points to see future movies and everything like that. It's a, uh, it's a great time to go see movies, and I'm so glad for the movie theaters, for Spider-Man, for all of the fans out there who love seeing these movies, that it really feels like they're back on the big screen with this one making $250 million for its domestic opening weekend. So thank you, Sony. Thank you, Disney. And thank you, Marcus Theaters, providing a great place to go see movies. Once again, MarcusTheaters.com for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Shifting gears, um, the recent announcement came out, I think it was a you know, little, little under two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, George Perez, one of, just one of the most amazing artists out there, uh, just announced via his Facebook page, that he's been diagnosed with stage three pancreatic cancer, and he's been given roughly six to eight months left to live. Uh, he's handling in a very upbeat George Perez type fashion, saying he's he's eschewing any kind of therapy because he doesn't want to be uh, his last days to be doctor visits and hospital things and treatments. He wants to you know embrace his family, celebrate the holidays, and he says he wants to have one more event where he actually gets to meet and hug his fans. So keep an eye on the website. For that as well, but I thought we would dedicate uh, this show to the celebration of what we love best about his art, his style, uh, maybe a personal experience or anecdote. We've got some people who are going to be calling in later on. Ron Mars, a prolific writer who Green Lantern, I was Silver Surfer, DC versus Marvel. He'll be on the phone later to give his thoughts about George. Uh, our own. Maxo Movies will call in. He's met him a couple times. BK on the air from Atlanta will call in as well to share his thoughts. Uh, right off, we'll go around. Rick, uh, you're the you're the Eisner Award winning artist. What do you when you think of George Prez? He he doesn't look like he was influenced by anyone. In my opinion, he's a very distinct style all his own. How would you, as an artist, describe his style? Um, when I think of George's stuff, uh, I think of a lot of panels on a page. I think of a lot of people in those panels, and I think of very detailed costumes. Yes. Uh, there was a story going around for a long time. I don't know how true it is, but uh, because I never asked George this, but it was said that he worked on his couch. He would sit on his couch with his back against the armrest and draw on a lap board. Now, I don't know if that's true. It might be apocryphal. I don't know. But that's what I've always heard. And if so, I mean, 
he was pretty comfortable when he was working. <laughs> and that's how he got the job. No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I and I also remember when I was working regularly for D.C., and I, I broke in as an anchor, mostly an anchor, and I, I used to pray that they wouldn't call me and ask me to ink George Perez because I can't imagine, because at the time I was hitting like two pages a day of inks. There's no way I could ink a page of George's and get two of them in in one day. Hmm. Uh, there's just so much going on. Um, it, it, I can't imagine the scripts that he got had that many panels on a page. I'm sure as a person who is notorious for adding panels to a page, I'm sure he did that in a lot of places to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's necessary. And uh, it, the thing the thing is, is there's, there's an adage. Um, there's been a saying in comics for a long time that to be successful in comics, you need to be good at your job or you need to be dependable or you need to be easy to work with. If you have two of those three things, you can be successful in comics. Mm. And I think George is one of those rare individuals that had all three. Yeah. 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 Have you, uh, do you remember, uh, you've obviously probably run across him at a convention here or there or oh, something yeah. like that. So Yeah. All I, and, and really, he is so committed to his fans that the best I could get is, hi, George, and he'd say, hi, Rick, and that, <laughs> that'd be it. Yeah. So. Yeah, he always has his head down every time I go by because he, he's signing things. Yeah. And I know, Larry, you and I talked about this. He was at uh, MightyCon here in St. Louis, I think. Yes. And he was also here at Westport Plaza ago. a little before that. But he was he's one of those people he'll – and I think it's brilliant. He gives out tickets. So if he – because he will stop. If he's taking you – you got six books to sign. Okay, thank you. There's your six books. Next person, you got six books. Oh, you, you want a sketch? The line halts because he's going to do the sketch for that person right there. So he brilliantly comes up with the idea of I'm going to hand out tickets. Come back within a certain time if your ticket's been called – you're the very next person in line. If not, you can check back and we'll, you know. So I think that's a great way to keep the conventions moving while you yeah. can do a sketch because he will stop everything right there and do these sketches on the comic book covers or whatever else. And it's it's really kind of neat because you can just stand there and watch him. Yeah. Yeah, he he is all about his his fans and the people who appreciate his work. Yes. Um, he's a sweetheart of a guy. What yeah. can I say? Definitely one of the most gracious of the professionals of all yeah. that I've met. Yeah, he really is. He's, you know, a wonderful guy. And you said you talked to him at a, at a when you owned the store before at a Back con- in the a 90s conference? when um, Diamond Comics and Capital Comics had all their big seminars to, you know, push the products to us retailers. I, I remember having a pretty good conversation with him at one of them. And he he autographed something for me. And then without me asking, he did it. Because I think we were talking about Infinity Gauntlet at the time. And uh, he did a sketch of Thanos, you know, a profile of Thanos for me. And I was like, oh, I didn't even ask for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, like I said, one of the most gracious. Yeah. I've, I've talked to so many professionals and as talented as he, as he is, and he yeah. is, he's, to me, he's one of the top five. And, and also when you stop to consider the amount of effort he puts into his pages, the fact that the man is so dependable. Um, you know, you didn't, if, if George was on a book, you didn't have to worry about it missing a shipping date. No. It was going to come in. Yeah. One thing about, that I love about him as an artist is like, 
Rick made the comment about so many characters in a panel and on a page. Yeah. He loved to do teams. Yeah, he and did. And he wanted to do as many characters as he could in a team. To me, his opus was the Avengers versus Justice League yeah. mm. that came out. I mean, he drew every Avenger, every Justice League member, in every costume at some point of the history of both books in that series. And it was, to me, still... One of the best, one of the best, you know. I can't imagine because I think it's each cover, if I'm not mistaken, it was if the, the cover front and back, you opened the book and it would make a big tableau. Yeah. But I think if I'm not mistaken, each issue had a few more Avengers on it, a few more Vex Hill. Issue number four was literally anyone who had been a Justice Leaguer and anyone who had yes. been an Avenger. <laughs> yes. I can't imagine how long that took him they to do. all appeared, yeah. yeah. That's insane. As a fan, it was just like a gift. Yeah. I mean, it was just a gift. Yeah. From somebody who's, you know, for me... Mid-70s, when I was in my early teens, that's when I first started really noticing who artists were in comics. You know, I knew I liked art and what, what I didn't and didn't like, but him and Jim Starlin were the two that I knew that name. And if I saw their name when I opened up the book, I knew this is going to be wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to love this. I don't care who the character is, what it's about. I'm going to love this book because I love this art. Yeah. I'd put a thread out on Facebook about uh, I just we, we there's several Facebook groups for comic books and there's one that only covers Marvel from 61 to 86 not a day over 86 yes, I'm they're in that group very with you. strict yeah <laughs> so I posted uh, the day he, I posted um, Uncanny X Men I guess it was all new all different X Men at that point 112 is one of my favorite George yes. Perez covers with Wolverine holding trying to hold his claws back from coming at him I forgot that was a Perez cover until you posted that actually. But that's, I think, one of those rare things that a lot of people think, you know, that run of X-Men, burn and copper. Burn, burn, Yeah, burn, so right. they don't get a lot of it. But that's, uh, I saw that cover, and that was one of the, like, you know, he's, he's tossing Colossus against the wall. He's Magneto, and he's throwing, you know, Wolverine's arm against him. But that's uh, one of my favorite covers, I think, of X-Men, and obviously of George Prez's run. But that's another one. It's the whole team's there. Storm's in there. Wolverine's in there. So right. it's another lot of happening. The crackle of Magneto's uh, power that blast. Perez crackle. Else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a, when you think of a favorite cover or a favorite comic book for him? Well, like I said, the comic-wise, but I remember I po- the cover I posted was Avengers 172 because it was one of the, probably the most beautiful shot of Hawkeye standing on the Statue of Liberty. I think, I think so, yeah. The- I, for me, it, it's got to be his run, his and Marv's run on the Titans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, I, I really got into that, and... Uh, it was it was just so much fun and uh, mm-hmm. it was really really great. You know, Titans too. And speaking of that run, he's one of those who kind of showed that you can have an issue without action and mm-hmm. just have you know what's going on in their lives and make it so appealing visually yeah. and such. Yeah, and 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 I think he and Marv really made a great team. Oh yeah, uh, it was one of those things that that they just meshed so well. That, yes. And again, talking about those team books, because some of those covers have, were just completely action-packed. They had one, I think it was, what, issue number four or five of New Teen Titans, where it's the Justice League on top. Yes. And Teen Titans coming in from the bottom, but there's Hawkman appeared, and you see Hawkman soaring in the background as they're fighting Hive in the foreground. Just uh, There's always, it's, somehow it, they were busy, but it was very streamlined where you didn't notice it was busy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the thing about George's work that really is I really, really embrace is the fact that he doesn't really break any new ground as far as superhero art goes. 
you know. He's not a game changer. He's not, but the virtuosity of how he does it is yes. just, you know, it's like there's nothing is out of place. It's all right there. It's all perfect. The story is told cleanly and concisely, and, you know, everybody looks good, and you never have to wonder what's going on. Um, it, it's just the virtuosity of the guy is just amazing. I agree. His storytelling is yeah so good. It's just and and to tell a story with that many people in it, mm-hmm. uh, that's not easy. You no, know? Uh, I know if I get more than two people in a panel, I'm like, forget <laughs> Stop it. it. No, okay, I got I got to change this. And but while we've got you too, I want to say it's been I uh, loved seeing your art lately on Batman: The New Adventures season two. Oh, you're um, the DC one. Comics currently. That's it's your art to me is synonymous. I know you're not the biggest. Batman no, fan, no. But... The, actually, the fans online aren't the biggest fan. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh! I oh yeah oh gee, it's a good thing I got a thick skin. Oh my gosh! I haven't seen anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I no. Oh, <laughs> that's that's sad because that's uh, your your art style is almost to me synonymous with Batman the animated series. Just yeah. well, handle... well, the the problem. The, well, this is about George. This isn't about me. But uh, yeah, it's it's been rough. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I've, I've thoroughly <laughs> really? enjoyed it. So I was say, beautiful book looks beautiful. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I uh, just texted Ron Mars. He should be calling in soon. We're also going to hear from Max Boise and BK on the air. Uh, hope. Thank you for celebrating the holidays with us. This is our. I just didn't realize until just this moment, but this is our last show before Christmas. So happy holidays to all you listening. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Come right back. Celebrating the career of George Perez. Please stand by. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back on geek to me Radio. Make sure very quickly we tell you about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You know them by the website discoverstcharles.com, discoverstcharles.com. This is your last chance to get out and enjoy Christmas traditions. They'll be out Wednesday for the Christmas Carol Stroll. You can walk through the streets of foggy London on South Main, interact with Scrooge, both young and reformed. You'll see the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, Tiny Tim, Bob Cratchit, the Fezziwigs, the whole tableau is right there waiting for you to come through and interact. And, of course, Christmas Eve is the last day you can catch Christmas traditions in its full glory with all the international Santas, a bevy of other characters you can talk to and interact with, and, of course, enjoy the festival itself, Uh, all the small businesses down there that make up St. Charles, which is so very important in this particular time. So we encourage you to look at the website first, discoverstcharles.com to plan your trip. Come on down, hang out, have some fun. Never a bad time to visit St. Charles, so if you miss that, come on down. They've got an ice sculpting event in uh, January. There's always something going on, whether you're from out of town or here locally. Plan your trip. See what there is that you're missing on the website, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Talking about the career of George Perez in studio with me, we've got multi-Eisner Award winner Rick Burchett. We've got Larry Quiggins, owner of Bugs Comics. We're going to go to the phone now for my radio pen pal, as he always says, BK on the air from Atlanta. How are you? 
Good, James. Good evening. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for being on tonight. Uh, I know it's a little bit later. It's an hour later on the west on the East Coast there, but uh, you and I talked before earlier this week, and you had uh, said you'd wanted to pay tribute to George Prez as well. I did, and thanks for coming on the show uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, having the pleasure having you on my show on uh, WBHF, and uh, yeah, George Perez. Uh, I was I was just as devastated as everybody else hearing the news about George Perez. I've always been a fan of his art. Very talented guy. And we, you and I talked about how when we we're familiar with a celebrity, be there an actor or a, or, a, or a filmmaker, director, or someone just in comic books like a writer or an artist that we admire, we feel that we know these people. Uh, and you and I talked a lot about that, but they don't know us, but we know them because we've grown up with them for such a long time. And George Perez is is no different from anybody else like that. Uh, admired admired of his work for years. Uh, I think the first time I noticed George Perez's art for me, at least personally, was a 1974 issue of uh, Creatures on the Loose, where he did um, it was a Man Wolf issue number 35 for Marvel, and I think that's probably way back the first issue that I got that I first noticed his uh, his art. He's a talented artist too, and you know as well as I do his catalog of work and the awards that he's won um everything that he's done for the avengers uh is another great piece of work that he's done i don't care what era it was earlier work or later work i mean and and if i'm not mistaken i think he was one of the people one of the co-creators of the taskmaster is that right i believe so he was the artist on that issue yeah 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 larry says yes uh, larry's larry's more the expert than i am (laughs) yeah i think george along with the uh and the Taskmaster just uh, made its film debut in the Black Widow, so the character's still out there. Uh, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed um, George Perez's work in the Korvac saga. And uh, mm-hmm. you and I were talking about, at least I was talking with you about how uh, you can see someone else, some other artist's influence in some in comic book artists. Like so you're like, oh, that guy's kind of emulating Jack Kirby, or this guy over here, he's kind of influenced by you know somebody else, but. I, I could never pinpoint with George Perez anybody that influenced him. I'm sure that he would be able to say that someone did, but I can't see anyone else's work in George Perez's artwork. And that, that to me, is the, the trademark of a of a true, original, awesome artist, a comic book artist. Um, I think he was one of the uh, one of the main driving forces, and probably one of the best artists to ever work on Wonder Woman for DC. Uh, over at DC, you probably agree with me with that too. Yeah, that was a that was an epic run when they relaunched uh, Superman and Wonder Woman back to back. John Byrne had Superman and George Perez took Wonder Woman, and uh, yeah, that was I think a lot of the stuff we saw and even the the movie was kind of influenced by uh, George Perez's art and uh, and his work on that series. And the JLA slash Avengers kind of a crossover book that uh, that they did where they were together. Uh, he said he he did a lot of great work on that. But I want to point out a work that. Uh, that I've been rediscovering lately that I, I probably knew was him, but forgot, but rediscovered that it was him. And he did, he, he did some work on for DC for Batman. And you remember it's uh, a lonely place of dying oh, yes. uh, story. arc. remember that. I've got that promo poster where it's Nightwing holding the Robin costume. And uh, George Perez is the only autograph I don't have, obviously other than Jim Aparo, but I, I need to, uh, if, if George does an yeah. event, that's why I'm getting signed. Yeah, that's right. It is a fantastic. Uh, it's a fantastic work by him. I did get a. I, did, I was able to meet George at a Dragon Con in Atlanta several years ago, at one of his appearances, and had him sign an Action Comics uh, poster that was a reproduction of, uh, of of Superman Action Comics, and he signed it for me very gracious. And uh, I have that. I have that 
prominently displayed. Beautiful piece of work by George. And uh, I sincerely hope, I don't know whether he is tonight, but I, I do hope he hears this or is listening to this or we'll hear it at a later date in a, in a, in a streaming platform you have it available in. But uh, a lot of people are behind him and thinking about him uh, on the social media. It looked like he was very uh, warmed by the reception he was getting after his announcement. But uh, we wish him well and praying for him and his family. Uh, wonderful talent, George Perez. He really is. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Uh, and I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show celebrating George. Tell people, by the way, so if they want to listen to you on Saturdays, where they can find you and keep up with you and hear your show. Well, you and I have the geeky nerd stuff covered on the weekends. You're on Sunday, and everyone can hear me Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on WBHF Radio. Uh, that's WBHFradio.org. Or you can uh, listen live on the free TuneIn app. Download TuneIn for your, for your smart devices or your phone that you have. And you can listen to me uh, via the app. And I also turn it into a podcast uh, after Sunday or Monday. It turns into a podcast. You can find it. Just search for BK on the air, and you'll be able to hear it. And uh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, buddy, and a Happy New Year. You too. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Tell all the gang that we said hello uh, here in St. Louis. And it's uh, always good to hear from you, my friend. All right, man. Until next time, thanks for having me on, and uh, appreciate it. Absolutely. Be well. Take care. There he goes, BK on the air. You can check out his show. We'll have a link in the show notes, too, if you want to check out BK's show on Saturday mornings. It's a great way to wake up and hear all the stuff that he has going on on his platform down there. I did just get a text from Ron Mars. He should be calling in in about another five minutes or so. He was out at dinner tonight, but did agree to uh, give us a call and talk about. Um, there were so many people, too, that I reached out to and said they, it's Sunday. Kurt Busiak evidently said he's like he's got some deadlines coming up, and I didn't know Kurt Busiak has been suffering from like migraines since April and oh, is gosh. trying to get uh, relief from that. He's it's just kind of hard for him to concentrate, Ooh, so he kind of bad. so he uh, he did apologize. But obviously, Kurt Busiak their their run on Avengers when it came back after the heroes were born that was a great run for the two of them. It was. It was. I mean, all the titles were really good with that came back, but that was I remember when it was announced that that they were going to be the team and bringing back the Avengers. And at the time of the store, I remember everybody was just so excited. It was like the news of the year. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of those people. I know you and I have talked before, Rick. You collect comics. A lot of people like Keith Giffen says, I don't own a single comic book. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you said you've got, you've got a fairly good collection. Do you have like yeah. uh, certain titles that like are more favorite of you, obviously besides your own, that uh, like an Avengers <laughs> run or a, a Spider-Man I, run or something? Well, see, I was lucky enough to be in on Marvel at the ground floor. And I, I didn't realize that until recently, how lucky I was mm -hmm. to have been born during that time. And so to be present while that happened uh i bought every marvel comic that came out which was at the time 11 books <laughs> at 12 cents a piece books. That's wow. right, man. 11 <laughs> books at 12 cents a piece and uh x-men and daredevil were bi-monthlies so i actually only had to buy 10 a month That's um okay. yeah yeah so i have all of the all of those early wow marvels. that's yeah. amazing and yeah. bags and board them, and then just have them in storage. You ever? I've got them. I've got or? them in. I've got them in boxes, and and they are in storage. And uh, you know, it's 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 great. I mean, I people always ask me. The people I grew up with from my hometown and stuff say, "Do you still have those comics?" I say, "Yes, I do." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I know um, I recently had to sell my collection, but it's one of the things, like, I went through and cherry-picked a couple things here and there. But uh, some of those, like I said, the George Prez Wonder Woman run stands out for me. But 
as far as Batman, like uh, BK was just saying, that lonely place of dying, because that was a crossover between New Titans and Batman at the time, introducing Tim Drake as the third and new Robin. Yes. But the art on that, when it's, you know, Dick's looking at the Robin costume, there's Two-Face and Batman up above, and in the Batcave with Alfred, the light shining on him. Just such a great comic, and it just totally encapsulates what you're going to find in the book. Because sometimes yes. you'll see a cover, and you go through the comic book like, well, this the cover told me nothing. Right. But I feel like George Perez's covers always tell you what you're going to get in the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's... it's uh... By strange coincidence, my friend Ty Templeton is also really good at doing covers. He does symbolic covers, but they indicate what what's going to happen inside. Uh, and also, coincidentally, Ty is now undergoing cancer therapy. Mm. Uh, he's got colorectal cancer. And I was talking to him the other day and asked him how he was doing. And he went through the the treatment that he has to undergo and it doesn't sound like fun. Mm, I can so, imagine. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got my, here. yeah, my fingers crossed for Ty and George. Hmm. So I got see next week. We'll have to do a Ty Templeton I tribute. Say, I, love his, <laughs> I love his work too. <laughs> yeah, I could talk quite a bit about Ty. I'm sure. Ty, you know that old thing in Reader's Digest, Reader's Digest, my most interesting character. It's Ty. Reg- <laughs> regardless of what Ty tells you, it may sound like the biggest lie you ever heard. It's true. <laughs> is it with, Talking about the covers, is that one of the things when you do a cover for a comic book, are you given like certain here's what we want it to be? Or is it no. do you get the story ahead of time and you can do whatever you want with the cover? They, How does that they work? Want, usually they want three sketches, mm-hmm. three different ideas. Okay. And you send them in and they tweak them or not and choose one of them but i i hate doing covers because i usually have one idea ah. and coming up with those other two right. or it's tough for me i guess that's where they get the variant cover ideas from too when they're doing variant covers because that's one of the things that for a while especially in the early 2000s marvel seemed to be popping out 10 variant covers yes. for every single issue of a comic book which was kind of daunting i would think starting to get that way again yeah and the thing is is most of the variant covers now have absolutely nothing to do with yes, what's exactly. inside yes and just yeah. sell covers yeah that's the new because it used to be the enhanced covers the holographic ones yes. but now they do different various with different artists or they'll do a virgin cover which has none of the text or labeling or title on the cover um which i i i'm, I'm a classic guy i like the Actual. Yeah, I, I'm I'm one of those people, and I know there's a lot of people that don't like word balloons on covers, but word balloons don't bother me on covers if they're appropriate and need to be there. Yeah, I I'm I'm <laughs> a big fan of the what the heck's going on here cover. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. A cover that you know what you know. It's <laughs> like that and the Joe Kubert. That's what you think cover. Yeah, I like those too. <laughs> okay, easy. Come on in. This town's deserted. You know, and there's guys with guns pointed at. Them. We've got uh, Ron Mars on the phone, uh, prolific writer. We talked about him earlier, Green Lantern and Silver Surfer. Ron, thanks very much for calling in tonight. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so we were talking just, it's a George Perez tribute, and I saw you had a great story that you put on Twitter about uh, George Perez at a party you guys were at. And I'm not sure if you want to recount that for our listeners or if you had something else you wanted to say about George or a favorite story or anecdote. Um, well, I mean, geez, I've got, you know, I've got a lot of George stories. Everybody has a lot of George stories, but I think the, you know, the main thing for me is that, um, George was the first artist I ever recognized as a specific person. 
like the first artist I recognized as, oh, this this style, this this drawing, I can recognize it, and I like it better than anybody else. So mm-hmm. when when George when George did his first run on Avengers, um, back in the you know in the uh, in the seventies, I was a you know I was a pretty small kid, and that was when I first noticed his work. Um, and you know the the level of detail and all of the characters seen all of the time uh, completely drew my drew me in. I was a so I was a huge George Perez fan as a kid, um, and he was literally the first the, the first artist I recognized as an individual as a as a person. The first time I really probably even looked at the credits um, and discovered oh this is this is a guy named George Perez, and I you know I like his work. I need to look for his work. Um, and obviously, George went on to um, to do everything for everybody. And, uh, you know, I eventually followed him over to D.C. on Teen Titans. Um, but for me, George was George was the guy. He was the first one that I ever saw as, you know, a, a cog in the creative machinery that I was recognizing. So for me to um, to have that experience and to have George be that person for me and then years later end up working with George and being friends with George um, is still kind of pinch me sort of stuff. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got Rick Burchard in studio with us too. I'm not sure if you guys have worked together before, Ron and Rick. I don't know. Probably not. Although I I bounced, I I bounced around DC and maybe Ron was the guy who said he didn't want to work with me. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) Well, they, they said they were never going to tell you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got sources, Ron. I got sources. <laughs> but Rick had made an interesting comment earlier about he's a fan of the What the Heck is Going On covers. And uh, there's different types of covers. We were talking about George Prez, how when you see a George Prez cover, you basically have a very strong sense of what exactly you'll get when you open the book. Do you have a, a similar take on George's cover work? Um. Well, I always knew that, you know, if if George was on the cover and I opened the book and he wasn't inside, I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> um, but most of the time he was on the inside. Yeah. Um, you know, the Avengers stuff, the the Justice League stuff. Um, it was um, it, it was so specific and recognizable to me, even as a kid, um, that it was it was the main attraction. And and you know particularly Teen Titans yeah. issues. Um, uh, the the occasions when George would um, would step away and have to you know have to have a fill-in issue on Teen Titans. I was always thrilled to get the issue because it had a George cover, but then slightly disappointed that it wasn't George on the inside. And I know we're coming up at the top of the hour here without much time left, but uh, we talked about, we went around the room earlier. Do you have a favorite George Perez cover, be it a DC or a Marvel cover that really stands out in your mind? Um, yeah, but it's not like, it's not like the best George cover and it's not maybe even one that, um, that fans would go, uh, would go crazy for but I, I can remember specifically plucking it off the rack in a in a convenience store. Um, it was it's a Teen Titans cover. I'm not even sure which number it is, and, and frankly, I should be. But it's a it's a it's a Teen Titans cover with the team standing in the rain um, and the villains 
thunder and lightning behind That's number 18, them. I think. But, it's a teens. It's um, in the teens. But, but that shot um, uh, of, of basically just the team standing there, but in this drenching rain, like it, I can remember seeing it across the, you know, across the store, like a siren call to me. And I was like, oh, I got to get that. Yeah, I, can, I as soon as you say that, I can picture it perfectly. Uh, I'm just trying to I'm trying to use the Googles to see if I can figure out which one it is before I uh, let you go here. But yeah, that's got to be in the in the teens, like the 16, 17, 18 area. Uh, but yeah, I can I can vividly picture that. That's the great shot of the entire group, just kind of right across the cover. Not much more except them in the rain, like you said. But yeah, that's a great cover. Um, it would. It oh, in fact, uh, number thirty six. Oh my gosh, I was way off. Um, it was there. It was there. It was their second appearance, or you know, I, I believe it was not the first appearance of Thunder and Lightning. Um, and uh, man, the, that shot of the, the rain coming down, and uh, it had that was probably uh, one of the one of the ones that really uh, pulled me in, and, and that was one of the ones where it was a George cover, and uh, it wasn't George inside. It was. Uh, if I'm if I'm recalling it correctly, I think it was Keith Pollard, uh, inked by Romeo Tangal inside. Um, so, um, but that cover was enough to get me to buy it and to keep coming back. Yeah, uh, again, just a prolific artist. Uh, we're at the very end of the hour, so we've got the news coming up, but I have to let you go. Ron Mars, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to call in tonight. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here, guys. Uh, all the love in the world to George. I appreciate him so much. Thank you so much. And thanks, obviously, to Rick Burchett for being in studio with us. Thank you to Larry Quiggins of Bugs Comics. Make sure you go to BugsComicsAndGames.com. Gift cards available. 50% off sale going on right now on wall books. Uh, deals on the back issues as well. Join his Avengers Club so you can get a percentage off every single week from the comic books. And uh, I didn't get to read Max on Movies text because we ran out of time. But Max on Movies is up very Right, I should say, right after us. So make sure you tune into Max on Movies. He's got a great Spider Man show. Until next week, my friends. Thank you, Planet Earth. Good night. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.